last in this record year for the hurricane-battered Gulf Coast. We have a late report now from Morgan Chesky. Tonight, Hurricane Zeta, unprecedented and unrelenting. The Category 2 storm now lashing Louisiana. The strongest hurricane to ever hit the state this late in the season, with dangerous winds and torrential rain. Zeta is literally on our doorstep. Um, the weather is degrading quickly as we speak. Right before making landfall, Zeta's winds just one mile an hour shy of being upgraded to a Category 3 hurricane. And here at this New Orleans marina, the water already rising. New Orleans closing additional floodgates as the storm intensified. On the ground, a rush to get ready. The only thing between us and the hurricane's God. You, you know, that's, that's basically it. Harold Smith lives outside the levees, his town under voluntary evacuation orders, but he is staying put. We've had five, six, seven named storms, and every one of them three days out had my address as the bullseye. In a historic storm season, New Orleans somehow spared till today. Hurricanes Laura and Delta both striking to the west, while Hurricane Sally slid east. Zeta's path, however, now giving the city a direct hit. It's been the most challenging years yet. And tonight, despite these rising lake levels, the biggest threat here in New Orleans remains devastating winds and even potential tornadoes. All this with one month to go in hurricane season. Lester? Yeah, Morgan, these are critical hours right now. Let's get right to Al Roker. Al, where is Zeta headed? Lester, Zeta is now inland, still a Category 2 storm, 100 mile per hour winds moving north-northeast at 25 miles per hour. But tropical storm warnings extend all the way into southern Virginia. A tornado threat exists for Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida tonight, and power outages will be a big problem as this thing rockets into the northeast tomorrow, bringing strong storms and a lot of wind. And on the backside of it, cold air brings snow to interior New England and the northeast as well. We also are looking for power outages widespread through the lower Mississippi River Valley, where we'll see anywhere from three to five inches of rain, and that will extend by Friday into the Northeast. Lester? And I know you'll be busy tracking it for us, Al. Thank you. Six days out, and the Trump and Biden campaigns are in a fight to the finish with the COVID pandemic front and center as it explodes once again. Here's Hallie Jackson. A Western wild card in play for both campaigns tonight in Battleground, Arizona. A state President Trump won in 2016, but this year, polls show he's trailing, damaged by how he's handled the coronavirus. It's enough. It's time to change. Joe Biden, before voting early in Delaware, blasting a White House press release listing as one of the president's top science and technology accomplishments, ending the COVID-19 pandemic. It's an insult to every single person suffering from COVID-19 and every family who's lost a loved one. The White House acknowledging the release was poorly worded with the pandemic far from over. Now, more cases in more places than in the spring. That's when, according to new audio released by CNN, the president's advisor and son-in-law Jared Kushner told author Bob Woodward in April the country was starting its comeback phase. We've now put out rules to get back to work. Trump's now back in charge. It's not the doctors. They've kind of... We, we have, like, a negotiated settlement. President Trump at his rally... Oh, look at that! Look, look, look! ...pointing out a flare from a fighter jet meant to warn a small plane out of the restricted airspace. He's also defending how he's handled the coronavirus. We will vanquish the virus and emerge stronger than ever before. 
but politically, the pandemic's haunting him. I can't understand the things that he's saying that just don't seem to make sense. Particularly the room. That's the room in Nebraska. It's yeah, a different used to work for that man. The Trump campaign under scrutiny after a rally in Omaha last night. Seven people taken to the hospital as hundreds waited for buses for hours in the freezing cold. With the campaign blaming local road closures and congestion for delays. And tonight, a years-long Washington guessing game came to a close when Miles Taylor revealed himself as the anonymous official behind an explosive 2018 op-ed about resistance inside the Trump administration. Taylor was chief of staff to the former Homeland Security Secretary. Whoa. Lester? Hallie Jackson at the... Whoa, whoa. Well, it's all going to come out. It's all going to come out. You know, it's all going to come out no matter what intensifies more hospitals say they are at the breaking point and perhaps nowhere is as badly overwhelmed as el paso texas our gabe gutierrez is there tonight tonight critical covid patients are being airlifted from el paso to other cities in texas here at university medical center doctors and nurses are working around the clock in this room medical tents help treat this region's surging cases over the last 10 days we've seen this 300 percent we are a very critical situation at this point in time. The county judge has imposed an overnight curfew and a mass mandate. That gun is close to the provisions of a stay-at-home order that, that you can get. But tonight, some positive news. The drug company Regeneron reported more evidence its antibody cocktail reduces symptoms in patients who are not hospitalized. Still, the U.S. is averaging more than 72,000 new cases a day. <laughs> President Trump has repeatedly blamed more testing for that, but the administration's testing czar says cases are going up. It's not just a function of testing. Yes, we're getting more cases identified, but the cases are actually going up. And we know that, too, because hospitalizations are going up. Across the country, 38 states have seen a rise in hospitalizations over the last week. Here in El Paso, Andrea Cortez recovered from COVID last month, but 15 members of her extended family got sick, including her grandfather, Lazaro, who passed away. I miss everything. He was a really happy person. I feel helpless knowing that I'm not the only one and that so many people are going through it. Today, this hospital broke another record of daily COVID patients here, more than 200. Lester? All right, Gabe, thank you. A curfew is in effect tonight in Philadelphia. Okay, before we go there. Good morning, you guys. I know I've been away, but as you can hear my voice, I'm, like, fighting um, this little touch because of the weather changing and everything. And we had, a, 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 like, a family emergency. We thought our grandbaby had caught COVID. And then my grandson was real, real sick. He was coughing, and uh, good thing his uh, nasal he was running, so he the mucus was coming out. My other grandson, he's going to in school, right? So he's exposed, and we still monitoring him. But he went to the doctor. They took the test. They took the COVID test, um, and it came back. My daughter said he said it was negative. However. Um, she even noticed, she said, well, mine is different. She said, he ain't never been sick like this to the point where he can't breathe and, um, his head hurting. And, and I was like, you sure they took that test right? 
you know, and his throat hurting. And um, so we just going to see. And I say, I think after the third week to this week, because remember, the symptoms don't really, we start getting the symptoms, but actually for the, for it to antibody to really hit, they tell you wait till after 14 days, right? Or you quarantine yourself for 14 days to see if it's just a regular cold or the flu or something else. Uh, it could be bronchitis, you know, because we do still have those other system symptoms. Everything's still not COVID, you know. And so the doctor just told her some steps to take and uh, prescribing some antibodies. But yeah, this is really, uh, we in that flu season now, you know. And uh, I took my flu shot, you know, Psalms 91 with my, uh, I took some pictures. I'm drinking uh, my ginger, my ginger um, tea. And I also making me, um, I put that in my smoothies. Uh, I double up on my greens, my vitamin C, my zinc, my B12, you know, just certain stuff you got to double up with y'all to help fight off and build up your immune system. That's what I feel that they should have been doing. Not so much saying COVID-19, the pandemic and all this kind of stuff. They should have been saying what you could take, you know, to alleviate going to the hospital. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to no hospital and be exposed to even more, more germs, you know. And um, that's just what's been going on this week besides trying to get some work done. So I just pray that y'all been um, coasting and just doing what you got to do every day, just every day, you know, and um, I just believe God for you. I've just been praying and been praying for you guys that God will supply your needs because as you see, they still haven't done nothing with the stimulus. People are still not only getting sick, they're still getting evicted. They still, you know, now they have stipulations on the jobs and then when you go to the jobs, you know, they're only going to give you so many hours, right? And so if you're working, you're not going to get... It's just all kind of rhetoric. I, I'm just... And I was... I'm still... I'm like, Lord, this is number a bunch of rhetoric, you know? And um, the only thing that I found peace when Father spoke back is trusting Him. Trusting Him. And I can tell you guys, God has really been uh, supplying all of my needs according to His riches and glories through my business. So... We're going to have to come up with some type of avenue. Uh, and I'm going to be sharing sharing that through the fourth quarter on the 17th. I think it's the 17th or the 21st. Live. Um, how you can utilize, find something that you do. And right now, you can market that bad boy and make you some money online. The, the very craft that you is good at. You know, you can create a system and I'm going to show you guys how to do that. Because right now, that's how Dr. D is living. God is providing. He has given us all things next to godliness to enjoy. Say, whatever you put your hands to, he will bless it. It will prosper. So, at this moment in time, you know, like the movie with Oprah Winfrey, The Wrinkle of Time, where at this moment, at this season of time, you have an opportunity to take advantage of what is what is there, because now we are literally in 
the technology age. Period. We it's no going back. That's why the companies in uh, the businesses are transitioning. Some are closing. You know, yeah, they're gonna have buildings, but it's gonna mostly they're gonna convert them buildings to homes. They're gonna have to many offices because everything gonna be done virtual now. That's just it. That's what the law reveals to me. I'm gonna try to open my oatmeal. Yeah, yeah. So, what part are you gonna play in this? How are you gonna coast and, and grow? How are you gonna grow people? Just pray that, and I feel so sorry for them people. They support and they're like Trump, 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 and that's a shame. I didn't, I saw that. I, I'm going to probably look more into it. But they say them people were stranded out there in that cold weather. People got rushed to the hospital, you know. And he can go and walk and get on his jet and go home. He just like, yay. He just want to feel that that acceptance. He just want to hear his name. It's like. You know, I don't know, some type of villain. I don't know. I don't know what is that with that man. But I hope this is an eye awakening to these supporters to say, hey, this man don't give a damn about you. He don't care. He don't care about you. He just talking, talking rhetoric. And that's what we have to understand. We know all of them not perfect, but at least somebody that got some kind of common sense to know if the people are still getting sick and still going to the hospital... Excuse me, the COVID ain't going nowhere. <laughs> you know? And this vaccine, I'm sorry, I'm not taking that vaccine. They're rushing it. They got doctors that then got fired and threatened to get their license taken away from them because they are trying to warn the people it has to take so many steps to make sure that any vaccination is... Uh, safe protocols for the human body to sustain. It's not so much taking a shot, it's the after effects. They have this movie out here. Uh, I had watched this movie where um, I think it was, it's called Clinical Trials. That's it. Clinical Trials. Check that movie out. And then people had side effects after the fact. It was after the fact. Almost probably a year or two later, all, all of a sudden these people start having suicide thoughts, um, killer instincts. It's like, it just was, it was just um, mayhem. And they all traced it back to that clinical trial, that medicine, that they made thousands of money, thousands and, wait, not thousands, millions and millions of dollars off. This whole Vaccine COVID thing is a pharmaceutical propaganda. And it's a depopulation um, surge. That was their strategy. That's what they're doing. And guess what people said to say they are reaching their goal. They're reaching their goal because if people live longer, they got to dish out that Social Security money. Remember, that all that money that we putting in, that money is gaining interest like I don't know what. So they got to alleviate. The senior citizens are dying off. 
Now you got the young people dying off. It's a serious thing, you guys. And trust me, Elohim is not going, going to just sit around and just let that go like that. Not to his people who call upon his name. Daddy ain't going to let that ride like that. Believe me, trust me on that. Trust me, trust in the word of God. That's why he said, be of courage. Be of good cheer. I've already overcome. Yahshua HaMashiach says that. Jesus, in his word. I've already overcome. Take up your cross and learn of me. Not and, and what do you mean by take up his cross? Take up his ways. Oh, it's so much, y'all. It's so much, y'all. Well, let me go. I'm gonna um, um, let y'all finish listening to go to the next episode. Just want to say hi and good morning. You know, and say my little thing. Oh, let me put my top. I have me. I always wanted a, a tea kettle, you guys. I got a little red teapot. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. That's a shame. So I'm brought in my water so I can give me some oatmeal. And I am fixing me a cup of coffee with my coffee cup. I'm going to use the regular coffee cup. I mean the coffee, mini coffee pot. Because I usually drink about two cups in the morning. And I had a few dishes from yesterday. Two cups. I had my smoothie um, cup. And my uh, I had fixed some soup, um, you know, some forks and stuff. So that's in the zinc. And I'm like, oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for my dishes in the zinc. And if you've been with me a while, you know why I'm saying that like that. I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful and I'm so honored. And I have not worked on a secular job. Um, my full-time job ended June 29th. I hurt myself June 1st, 2019. So I was out of work since June 29th. Tax season has started with my full-time seasonal job, which would be 10 years this year. I think I'm probably going to retire from that job. 10 years, you guys, right? So yeah, I think I'm going to do that. Go ahead and make that flat 10 years. So because of the COVID, I only was able to um, be there for three months. And even within three months, the hours was cut. Um, it just was, it just was havoc for me, you know, being on public transportation. And then when COVID hit, they stopped my charter bus from out here where I live into the city. So it just made it a hot mess. So since March 29th, 2020 God's been providing through my business wow that's powerful had some bumping in the road but uh, through me recovering I could say what August September yeah at the end like in mid August after you know uh, laying my mom to rest in June you know that was a month gone and just trying to recover mentally from all of that. And we still dealing with the aftermath of all the stuff that happened. I can really say I was able to focus and start saying, okay, these are some things I need to do in my business. I need to upgrade. I need to 
you know, um, get a more efficient software. I have to buy firewall now. Uh, I had the little AVG, <laughs> you know, the free one, but I literally had to buy a firewall for my computer system now because now everything is online and you got to protect your system from hackers because now they know a lot of work people are working from home. A lot of um, tender and precious information from clients and customers um, could be exposed. So yeah, you got to protect yourself. So I had to do that. And so a lot of things like that um, it's very important when you're doing a straight virtual business. And do it all, you guys. Do it all. Do it all. God has has met every need. He has covered every bill. Yeah, some, some was late because I forgot about some. And that's where... I want to help you guys get okay okay so let me let me go and i will come back later i'm gonna go to the go to the next episode i see they got another riot going on then they kill somebody else lord jesus have mercy what is going on i just man see that's why i don't be in this news every day i'm thinking i'm just thinking you know that the light that's shining at the end of the tunnel is like, can I just cut on the news and they say, you know, all right, we did this, we got this done, da 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 da. But it's always something. It's always something, huh, y'all? is there for us through it today this hospital broke another record of daily covid patients here more than 200 lester all right gabe thank you a curfew is in effect tonight in philadelphia as police there struggle to contain violence and looting after the deadly police shooting of a black man walter wallace jr ron allen is there for us for the second straight night violence and mayhem on the streets of a major american city at one point, police say as many as 1,000 looters rampaging through a business district. Traffic jams in big box store parking lots caused by people loading up their cars. Overnight, police warning about one-third of the city's residents to stay inside for their own safety. Let me be perfectly clear. This behavior is not acceptable. More than 170 arrests, at least 50 officers injured, police and fire vehicles, even ATMs set ablaze. In the neighborhood where Walter Wallace, armed with a knife, was shot and killed by police, hundreds of protesters in a standoff with police. Wallace's family, who say he was suffering from mental illness, appealing for calm. I don't condone no violence, tearing up the city, looting up the stores, and all this chaos. Across the city, businesses boarded up as if bracing for a storm. And tonight here, officials ordering a curfew, hoping to stop another night of violence. After 9 p.m., only restaurants, pharmacies, and grocery stores allowed to stay open and only allowed to make deliveries. 
Lister. All right, Ron Allen in Philadelphia tonight. Thank you. Now our cross-America journey, bringing us tonight to what many political experts believe is a crucial battleground in this election. Everyone agreeing on the importance of Pennsylvania. Four years ago, Donald Trump turned history on its head here, thanks to many Democrats crossing over. And now in 2020, voters here are once again showing signs of independence. Near Scranton, we came to Dave Mitchko's home. You don't have to guess who he's voting for. Those signs, just some of the thousands he's been giving out here. 2016, there was hardly a sign here or there. This is a true Democratic area. You know, and they were all in support of Hillary, but times have changed. I mean, I've given out almost 26,000 signs out of my garage to people who wanted the signs. The support for Trump in this area is overwhelming. Dave is part of perhaps the most critical group of voters this year in battleground Pennsylvania, Obama voters, who then switched and voted for President Trump. In 2016, they helped the president turn this state red for the first time in nearly 30 years. Will they do it again? The left went so far left that we just figured we had to switch our party and we're going to support the president even more. One of the things that makes Pennsylvania so fascinating in 2020 is that it's essentially flipping the script. You've got former Democrats voting for the president, but you also have some lifelong Republicans who are voting for Joe Biden, who has spent part of his childhood here. Like retired teacher Patricia Healy. I am basically voting against Trump. I like Joe Biden um, as, a, as a person. I just don't know, um, I do worry a little bit about his age, but yes, it's mainly against Trump. She told us she regrets her vote for the president in 2016. He actually has ruined so many things. He's made a mockery of the Oval Office. He's made a mockery of the democratic process. Not too far away, we went over to meet Mary Grace Badala, a registered nurse and a Republican. Back in May, she lost her 83-year-old mom, Grace, a Trump supporter, to COVID. My mom followed the rules. She didn't go to the bank. She didn't go to church. And her life revolved around church. Mary Grace told us she's voting for Biden. Do you think the president failed your mother? The president failed not only my mother, but the 200 and 25,000 lives that have been lost. He's in way over his head. Is COVID a dominant issue here? It's not, it doesn't seem so much. I don't know anybody else in the area that lost someone to COVID besides myself, personally. And with tens of thousands of Pennsylvania jobs dependent on fossil fuels, we asked about those Biden comments on the oil industry from the last debate. Would you close down the oil? Well, I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Do you think that hurts or helps them here? I think that it depends on who you talk to here. He did raise some eyebrows. And me personally, Donald Trump said he would bring coal back to our area. There's no coal left. Then there's former Democrat Merritt Doyle, who tells us President Trump did exactly what he was hoping for when he switched parties to vote for him back in 2016. And he says he'll do it this year, too. I saw Trump as someone who came in who offered a breath of fresh air, uh, something different. Merritt is a personal trainer. 
He says too many COVID restrictions hurt small businesses like his, and he believes the economy will be the reason the president wins here again. I look at the three years before Corona hit, COVID-19, uh, and then, you know, record numbers as far as 4 million new jobs, unemployment. You get this guy four more years, he could turn us around. We should note that late today, the Supreme Court did not intervene on a Republican challenge to Pennsylvania's mail-in voting rules. That means those ballots can be counted up to three days after the election. Most polls here in Pennsylvania favor Joe Biden by narrow margins, but many voters remember how the polling missed the 2016 election outcome. Peter Alexander on what's different this time. Foley Van Lee Shout, a law student in Wisconsin, is still haunted by 2016 and her decision not to vote. When I looked online, it said that Hillary Clinton was polling at 90% likely to win. And I thought, okay, it doesn't really matter if I do this or not. Because I can trust the polls. God, was that a mistake. The biggest stunner then, the state polls that showed Clinton ahead in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. But the Democrats' blue wall crumbled. Donald Trump narrowly winning all three, and with them, the White House. That disconnect has fueled doubts about today's polls that show Joe Biden with a comfortable advantage. They're fake polls. They're fake. I never take anything for granted. There are significant differences between then and now. Biden's lead has been stable. Clinton's was up and down. And this year, there are half as many undecided voters who could break either way at the last minute. Still, pollsters have made changes so they do not underestimate Trump's support, including calling enough white voters without college degrees and rural voters. What's helping this time also is that the huge early vote, those are already voters in the bank. So we're dealing with less of a population to begin with which creates a more precise estimate in the end. This time, Foley's not taking chances. I'm very happy to tell you that I've already voted. Because the only poll that matters is the one on Election Day. Peter Alexander, NBC News, Washington. Up next, a troubling trend hitting working moms and what it means for the future. Back now with a hidden crisis in the pandemic. All right, you guys, you know I'm going to get on here and talk about voting. If you are undecided about voting, let's go and vote. Like they say, early voting is already solidified. Okay, let's do the early voting. Go and vote. Go and vote. Go and vote. And then let's tune in. Um, We'll have a special after the birthday party. We're going to get off and go on to another link. I think I'm probably going to use it on the same night. Um, or maybe I might do it that Monday. To go, now you have voted, now what? And give you your own strategic plan on how you should go about to maintain your vote. Remember, your vote is your voice. Your voice is your vote. Your vote is your voice. Your voice is your vote. Your vote is your voice. Your voice is your vote. And there's a reason why I keep saying it. Because if you don't vote, you don't have a vote, a voice. You don't have a say. You don't have a complaint. You don't have the right to debate on anything if you don't use your voice to vote. If you didn't vote or you plan on not voting, whatever happens that you feel that ain't right or ain't wrong, you have to just shut your mouth because you did not take the initiative to use your voice. And your voice is your vote. Your vote is your voice. 
and you pay taxes. See, I'm learning in this by in business itself and even in personal lives. I'm learning that now it's time for adults to be adults. It's time for us to take responsibilities of our lives. It's time for us to stop trying to push the blame on somebody else and come up with all these excuses why I shoulda, coulda, woulda, didn't do it because this, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time for us to pull up our britches and like the old folks say, put on your big, your big, your grandma drawers, your big girl drawers, your big boy drawers and come on and handle your business. You see, it's time for us to stop laying back, smoking, doping, roping and hoping that everything change. It's not going it's not it's not going to happen if you don't participate. And those that don't participate, they hate, they criticize, demonize, ostracize and all the other sides. No, 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 no. I want to provoke all of you and challenge you that are in a state of an emergency. Please go out there and use your voice and vote. Like all them out there, I just saw they said it was protesting in Philadelphia. I wonder how many went out there and vote. You see what I'm saying? Don't go out there and protest. Don't use this opportunity to show how ignorant you are by looting. Go and vote. We need you guys. We need to change the legislation. We need to make sure that you vote not only for the president. You got to vote for the the Congress. We got to get the Congress. We got to flip the Congress. Republicans are holding back the stimulus because they want to add more money in there for infrastructure. They want to add more money in there for the corporate America. You know, and that's just not ought to be. Corporate America are busting profit margins like never before. They're acting like they're broke, but they are busting profit margins like never before. And the mortgage companies and the landlords, all you guys can extend, like you know how they have the 12-month lease or whatever. Y'all can extend that. And I saw this man, and he was right. He said, nobody ain't saying we're not going to pay you. Put the three months or whatever that, as long as we in the COVID, just lap that over at the end of the contract and it's just extended another three months and give people enough time to breathe. Oh no. Uh-uh. So not only are they, they forcing individuals out of their homes and they're getting their money from that. They're applying for this PP loan and the EIDL loan. I think the EIDL, the grants are over with, but they even gave that, that that was supposed to be, especially for self-employed, independent contractors. Now they're trying to ask you for all kind of information where if I'm self-employed, that means that person is working for themselves at home. So all that income, if that income have stopped, they, they don't have no resources coming in, but they want them with financial documents. They want them with tax returns. They want them with all kind of technology. Hey, I know for a fact, I know a lot of people that work for themselves and they don't have none of those papers. And it caused them not to get no type of uh, assistance for their small business. So come on now. Mm-mm, mm-mm. You got to do better. So you got to go out there and vote, y'all. You got to go out there and use your voice. And then when you got to find out in your city, 
get involved. Get involved, people. Get involved. We can't just let this keep going on because I'm crying out, Lord, have mercy. I don't want my grandchildren to have to be going through this here another 20, 30 years. They're going to have the same thing all over again. More riots, still killing, uh, legislations, laws, and, and, and ordinance, and zones. And, ain't nothing changed. It's just getting worse. It's just getting worse. It's just getting worse. Why? Because we, right now, at this time, at this moment, 2020 is a is a pivoted moment in everybody's life. Are you going to take charge and go forward? Are you going to window back like a dog with their tail between their legs, whining? What is going to be? What is going to be? It's up to you and me on what is going to be. So come on, y'all. Let's get out there and vote. Vote. Vote, 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 vote. Remember, your voice is your vote. Your vote is your voice. Your voice is your vote. Your vote is your voice. Let's make this happen. All right? Let's make this happen. And let's 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 get get that nonsense out that White House and let's clean up that White House and let's get it back on the road. All right? All right. Okay. Now let's go to the next episodes and see what's happening with the working moms at home, cause I have a daughter, I have daughters that have to work at home with their children. And these bosses are lo- losing their mind, man. They, they're trying to handle our, our mothers, y'all. And so we got we to gotta, um, pray about that now. Okay. trend hitting working moms and what it means for the future back now with a hidden crisis in the pandemic the disproportionate toll it's taking on working moms vicky wind explains how many of you had to leave or cut back on your work hours because of concerns related to your children ask any working woman with children in this pandemic and her story is supported by the data show of hands if you are the primary caregiver for your children. Of the 1.1 million workers over age 20 who left the workforce in September, 80% were women. You're having to choose between family and your career like never before. My husband just simply makes more money and gets health insurance. We talked with married and single working moms across the country, some self-employed, all navigating a radical strike to their careers. Allison Robinson founded The Mom Project, a network of 300,000 members. The group is giving half a million dollars in grants to help keep women employed. When women leave the workplace, we're losing their creativity, their compassion, their intellectual capital that drives business performance. Some companies are trying to retain women by offering more paid time off, caregiver leave, and free childcare. But only 32% of organizations returning to work have a childcare plan mapped out. This being home thing is scary. Our society is just not set up for a parent to be able to do this. They just need to be more flexible. We're very capable and very productive. Working moms in their own words about what they need and why the workforce needs them. Vicki Wynn, NBC News. A story resonating in a lot of households. We'll take a break up next. How voter patience and persistence is inspiring America. 
finally tonight, Harry Smith talks to people inspired and determined to vote no matter how long the wait. Just look at the lines. In our divided America, they are either inspiring or a little scary. What if there are more of them than there are of us, we wonder? There'll be a record turnout, they say. It's the most important election of our lifetimes, they say. The line we're in today on Manhattan's Upper West Side goes for several blocks. It'll be hours before we get inside the vote. If you want to have your voice, you need to do your duty and vote. I think there's great determination this year. How do you feel about the line? It's quite long, but it's encouraging. I like that people are perform here to perform their civic duty. It's worth the wait. I have this crazy theory that if we all participated more, we'd have less rancor and yeah. divisiveness. I don't think it's such a crazy theory. <laughs> the founders had a crazy idea, revolutionary even, that people could govern themselves. When we vote, that's exactly what we do. Harry Smith, NBC News, New York. And that is nightly news for this Wednesday from Pennsylvania. Wow. Yep. Vote, 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 vote. Your voice is your vote. Your vote is your voice. Your vote is your vote. Your vote is your voice. Your voice is your vote. Your vote is your voice. How are you going to voice? How are you going to voice? What are you going to do with your voice? Huh? What you going to do with your voice? Let's, let's, let's do right. Um, lately they have not been allowing me to see my Trevor. Attention, do you have Medicare? Did uh, you know you may qualify to get up to $100 oh, shut up. added back? If you're planning to attend see? one of those big Trump campaign rallies, well, maybe bring an extra coach. <laughs> After President Trump's final rally of the day in Omaha, Nebraska, thousands of his supporters got stranded in freezing cold temperatures. There was a shortage of buses to transport people from the rally at the TAC Air hangar to parking lots on the opposite side of Ebley Airfield, nearly a four-mile walk. Omaha Police Department officers helped assist stranded rallygoers to help them find their vehicles. Omaha scanners reported 30 patient contacts and seven patient transports to the hospital. These are people, of course, struggling with the 30-degree temperatures. The rally concluded around 9 p.m., but the event site was not cleared until 12.30 a.m. I swear, guys, every day, there's another way that you can die from going to a Trump rally. First, you could get corona. Now you can get hypothermia. By the end of the weekend, Trump is just going to be tossing snakes out into the crowd. Free cobras, everybody! Free cobras and anacondas, you won't get that from Sleepy Joe. Take that, mama! It bites. But I guess this is a classic Donald Trump move. Leaving his supporters stranded out in the cold. We're gonna bring back manufacturing. Bye! Now, while Trump has chosen coronavirus as his wingman, Joe Biden is going with his former boss, Barack Obama. The two of them have been going around the country holding separate rallies. And one thing that's become crystal clear is that one of these guys is trying to get the job and the other one is retired and living the life. What's his closing argument? That people are too focused on COVID. He said this at one of his rallies. COVID, 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 he's complaining. He's jealous of COVID's media coverage. Many of those lives lost in the cruelest way possible. Alone, alone. 
alone in a hospital room, alone in a nursing home, no family, no friends. If we were focused on COVID now, the White House wouldn't be having its second outbreak in a month. The White House, he's turned the White House into a hot zone. We see the empty storefronts and the shuttered businesses, the visible signs of lost hopes and broken dreams. I will say that I miss kissing babies during the pandemic. I can't do it, but hey, look at that little bundle right there. Brand new. It's got the new baby smell. The longest walk any parent can make up a short flight of stairs to his children's bedroom. To tell a child you can't play in that little league team anymore. You know, this is so hilarious to see how roles have been reversed because you remember that when Obama was president, Joe Biden was the guy who got to have fun, you know, while Obama was giving the somber speeches. Now Obama's out here doing rap battles while Biden is writing Hallmark cards. In fact, the difference between Biden and Obama is basically the difference between white church and black church. This is all I experienced growing up. Yeah, because Obama makes you say, Amen! And Biden makes you say, Amen. <laughs> Watching Obama in that speech also reminds us of how much delivery of a speech actually affects the message. Because when Obama says, I want to kiss that baby, we're like, yeah, kiss that baby, Barry. But if Trump was like, I want to kiss that little baby, we'd be like, yo, yo, we need to get this baby out of here, man. I don't trust this guy. And I don't know about you, but sometimes these rallies feel like when you fall in love with someone, but they're trying to set you up with their best friend. Uh, well, hey, girl, how you doing? Hey, Barry. You free on uh, Friday night? I sure am. Well, uh, I want you to go out with my friend Joe. He's a good guy. You're going to like him. Okay, but I'm only taking one for democracy. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, Lord. That's Trevor. Trevor Noah. You can find him on YouTube. Guys, it's about to be winter time. Y'all, I had to bring my plants in. I um, I forgot. Yesterday it had rain, right? It had rain yesterday, so the water was on the leaves, right? But it was cold, and the, you could tell the water drops was on the leaves. And these little leaves were just hanging over, you know. And um, I was like, oh no, I forgot about my babies outside. So what I did. I had to bring them in yesterday, and now I look, you know, I see the leaves just perking up, you know. I guess it's like, oh, it's warm in here. <laughs> I left the mint outside. I don't think that's in the other little dark little um, flowers, but look like the other little shrubs got a little ice on them. But yeah, that weather didn't change, man. It's about that time. Okay, let's see. See nothing else. Another hurricane, man. This is doing. I wonder. Let me do that. That's three minutes. It'll be over. So let's let's check out what's going on with the weather. With Hurricane Zeta. So I will. 
post. We are just being forced out. They're trying to force us out. These cases of dispossession can only be called theft. Just about ready. Mombaya is an historic all-black town uh, formed many years in the 1800s by two former slaves. We don't have the overt racism that we used to have against people out in the public. Now we deal with it with uh, employment, uh, economics, banks, we still deal with it, and until we overcome all of that, the Delta will forever struggle, is my belief. No, I'm going to help them get this, get a pilot pipe loaded so they can still start putting the pilot pipe in. I've been doing this all of my life. As a kid, we went to the field until it was dark. Either cotton chopping or cotton picking. The Mississippi Delta is this area between these rivers in the northwest of Mississippi that has some of the most fertile land in the United States, in the continent, really. If you go out there, you'll see rows and rows of cotton soybeans, every single type of crop you can imagine. But in the early 20th century, almost all the land was owned by white folks. It was homesteaded out by the federal government or was otherwise inaccessible to black folks. My grandpapa, Ed Scott Sr., started purchasing land back in 1938. They came from Hale County, Alabama. And they moved to Mississippi in 1919, before my dad was born. My grandmama hated it here. But in Alabama, black people could only share crop. No one would sell them land. Very few could get the historic 40 acres in the mule. Ed Scott Sr. was almost supernaturally gifted at farming. He knows exactly how to rotate the crops, how to plant things in a way that, that gets the, the highest yields. And that gave him his own economic gravity that local white businessmen could not ignore. Eventually, a plantation owner decides to sell Ed Scott Sr. a plot of land. When he passed in 1957, the family had acquired acres and acres of land. Ed Scott's son, Ed Scott Jr., takes over the farm. He is part of the generation of men that goes off to war during World War II. And when this generation of black men comes back, their white peers are granted so many free things from the GI Bill. They get free education, lots of them get free homes, they get things they can pass on to their children. But the black men among that number 
are denied many of those opportunities. Introducing Zeba, the world's first hands-free sneaker built for comfort. You heard that correct. Wow. My dad went to World War II, and when he came back, his dad wanted him to go and finish school. But farming is in his blood. You, you had to know what you're doing to make a living here. You had to. My daddy used to bail hay and, and, and uh, sell chicken and turkeys. He used to take turkeys and green wood down there and white people and so my dad was the smartest one of his siblings and the hardest worker of his siblings. You know, every now and then he'll say, God ain't gonna make no more land, so you better hold what you got. When Ed Scott Jr. takes over the farm, he's operating it through one of the most turbulent times in American history. 1953, the first bus boycott. 1954, Brown v. Board, 1955, Emmett Till is lynched. You know, I left him went to Selma, Alabama when they had the march of Selma and the Montgomery. Mm -hmm. It was rough back then, but you had to have some guts to stand up and let be rough with them. When he owned his land, he actually had 57 families who lived on his land and worked with him. And it was like a community. Whatever we needed was on our farm. We would put up peaches, we would put up peas and butter beans, and everybody got their share to carry them across the winter. It was like a utopia. Modern farming requires debt in order to grow your crops, in order to collect a harvest. Over the past hundred years, the federal government has become more and more of a player in providing the credit to those farmers. Much of the administration of this federal money was done by locally elected committees. And what do we know about voting in the South at that time? We know black people could not vote. The people who ended up controlling all that were the great-grandchildren of the plantation owners. And why would they ever give a black farmer money to start his own farm? And so between 1950 and 1969, black farmers lose something on the order of six million acres of land across the country. But the Scots were able to hold on to most of their land until the farm crisis of the 1970s and 1980s. Rising fuel costs, increasing cost of production, new taxes, these changes will have a significant impact on the well-being of family farmers. Federal legislators are slashing farm programs to pay for the deficit. As farming in America collapses in the 70s and 80s, there's a lifeline in the Mississippi Delta, catfish the federal government, and they pour a whole bunch of money into taking these poor white farmers who are struggling, getting them into catfish. 
people who are left out of that are the black farmers. Ed Scott Jr. sees what's happening. He sees catfish as a way out. He converts most of his farms into eight giant catfish ponds with no help from the federal government. He digs them himself. He built the very first catfish plant owned and operated by an African-American in the United States. And it becomes this inspirational story across the South of a black person who has literally beat all the odds to create something new. My dad loved clothes and he loved to dress. Even on a daily basis, he wore what we call khaki suits, which would have been a khaki shirt with matching pants, and they had to be starched and ironed. He always had a nice new car, but he kept it closed up in a shed so no one would know he had it. He did not co-mingle, meaning uh, white people were called staying in your place. Well, no blacks supposed to have a car. There's gonna come a time when they think you're uppity. And that's exactly what happened to the Scots. It wasn't just because we were black, it's because we we was doing so well in part. We were doing so well. Blacks were never successful at getting enough money to farm with from USDA. So when they went in to get the money for the crop, they gave them half of what they need, which was the way of keeping blacks from being successful. Because if you're gonna grow beans and you say, I need this much for fertilizer, I need this much for crop protection, I need this much for seeds, and I need this much for watering, and you only get half of that, if there's no way for you to produce a good crop. Yeah, you can try to buy no land in Mississippi. You never own no land in Mississippi. White picker, people ain't gonna let you own no land in Mississippi. It's documented. They did not offer him the same loan terms. They regularly offered him much smaller loans than they did white farmers in the area. The county agent, he refused to give him a loan. So he could not feed his fish, could not water his crops. They foreclosed on his land. At its peak, the Scots farm spanned across 1,000 acres. Now it was down to just 300. Who wants it? In 1997, thousands of black farmers sued the USDA for discrimination. What's known as the Black Farmers Lawsuit is actually called Pigford versus Glickman, one of the largest class action lawsuits filed on behalf of black farmers against the USDA and the federal government. There's a wide disparity in the way the Department of Agriculture treats black farmers versus white farmers. Because of the practice, the discriminatory practices of USDA, I was put out of business. Uh, my family was destroyed, and basically they've just destroyed my life. The Scots become one of the marquee families in this lawsuit. 
Okay, this is just where we were working on the lawsuit and I had to go back and show where my daddy had taken out promissory notes with USDA as the backer. I tried to keep everything I could. Now, the government, the U.S. Department of Agriculture in this case, admits they discriminated against black farmers, unfairly denying them federal loans, for instance. I'm very pleased that the uh, judge approved the settlement so that we can uh, begin to process these cases and black farmers can begin to receive this, their long, long overdue settlements. The federal government paid out just north of $2 billion, and upwards of 70,000 successful claims were made by black farmers in the South. The Scots received one of the largest settlements out of this lawsuit because unlike lots of people, they had the documents to show exactly the ways in which the federal government discriminated against them. Wow. Most farmers are lucky to get $20,000. Do you feel comfortable saying how much you guys got from USDA? I can't, I'll give you exact figure later, but uh, it was right, a little over $7 million. He was blind, but we made sure that he signed the documents to buy his land back and he presented the check to the same man who was instrumental in taking his land. He was still in office. It took the Scott family nearly 30 years, the space of a generation, to buy their land back. Land hunger, as W.E.B. Du Bois describes it, is this almost mystical drive to seek and to own something in this United States among people who were once property themselves. If you look at the Scots, you look at what the land meant to them. It wasn't just money. It was destiny. It was something to hold on to. It was a purpose and something that held their family together through generations. It grieves me that we were denied a history, and that's how I see it. Um, and I'm trying not to cry. It's dear to me that my children know what my ancestors went through for us to be where we are and who we are. And for my dad, having the land and keeping the land, that was his dream. That was the heritage. The land yes. was the heritage. Yes. Yes, Lord. And see, they was able to fight. And I saw on there where they had a uh, a picture where Barack Obama signed an executive order to protect black farmers. I hear some of the people say, well, Obama didn't do nothing for the black people, yada, yada, yada. We got to understand that though he was a Democrat in the White House, no matter what he did as a black man, they was not going to allow certain things to happen. They had him in there to fulfill their agenda. Okay? 
And he could have been boastful. He could have went the extra mile. I, I felt, I don't know, just certain things we felt that he should have done more. Uh, I kind of feel he had the power to do the executive order or HR 40. Come on, let's do that retribution for the black Americans, the protected class. You know, that would have been a pivoted moment for the black race, but it didn't happen. But farming and protecting your land, I know so many people that have lands. Our family have lands. Right now we're dealing with an issue because of land, you see. And I'm fighting, really, because it's about time that the black family hold on to your land. Hold on to your property on the land, but hold on to the land. The land is so important. You see what I'm saying? The land is so important. And if we can just do that and it began to acquire that legacy wealth. You know, people back, and I just was thinking about something. Somebody was saying this and that, and they're raising money now to to get a a a, a studio slash home, you know, but it's still not going to be for the people. That's going to be for you. You're going to have, you're going to have a studio there, right? But what about for the people? What about for your children's children? You see? And all the promises that was made, you reneged on it. So that that that's not gonna be that's not gonna be a healthy a healthy structure. Cause the infrastructure was contaminated. So when we can conceal and maintain Land, that's wealth. You know what you can do with a piece of land? You can farm. My mom had a whole farm in a backyard in a city, within a city in New Orleans. It was so bad that she had to get the guard dogs because the people used to come in. Not only, they were stealing the eggs from the chicken, and then they got bold and started stealing the chickens. You know, and I can honestly say I never remember going to the store for basic stuff because my my stepfather went hunting and fishing. So we always had meat, deer, lamb. You see what I'm saying? We ate good. We ate healthy nutrition stuff, beans and vegetables. She had her own garden in the backyard. You hear me? I always laugh. I had a laugh one time. If it wasn't for how, if that backyard, if it was big enough, she would have had a cow back there to get out of milk. Because I do remember the milk coming being delivered on our steps. So you guys, they have some things out there that is ours and we have to reclaim it, but we can't reclaim it. Unless you fight for it and you can't fight for it, unless you voice your voice your concerns and you can't voice your concern if you don't vote. It all goes back to that that four little word again. Vote. Vote. Alright? Alright, y'all.
minutes at this hour. Authorities tonight urging millions to take this seriously, not to let your guard down. Warnings into the Carolinas. This will then move quickly and bring storms all the way up into the northeast. Hurricane Zeta with 110 mile an hour winds and a life-threatening storm surge for hundreds of miles. Let's get right to senior meteorologist Rob Marciano. They're getting hit in New Orleans at this hour. Rob? We are, David. The eye wall of Hurricane Zeta right now is cutting into New Orleans. We've already had winds gusting over 100 miles an hour south of here. You can see the winds ripping down Canal Street, punishing those giant palm trees. All season, New Orleans has been threatened, but tonight this city is taking a direct hit. Tonight, fast-moving Hurricane Zeta slamming the Gulf Coast high winds and surging waves as families hunker down. It does not look like we're going to escape this time. People need to hunker down and be prepared. Here comes Zeta, ripping ashore in southeast Louisiana, the third hurricane to make landfall in the state in just two months. This time, New Orleans is going to take a direct hit. This is not a drill. We do expect directly impacting the city of New Orleans. The city closing its massive floodgates. And then there's this wall, new since Katrina, just east of New Orleans, designed to keep any Gulf surge out of the city. It is huge, 26 feet high and nearly two miles across. Five tropical systems striking Louisiana since the start of the COVID pandemic. Zeta coming less than a week before Election Day. We've identified in advance all of the polling locations so that power restoration efforts can be prioritized there. What a situation playing out tonight, Rob. We can see you're getting slammed right now. Best you can take us through the timing of this as we head into the night. Well, it's, a str it's the strongest storm we've had this late in the season make landfall in over 100 years, David. It's moving quickly, so that means that's good, and that'll get through it quick, but it's going to hit a huge portion of the U.S. Look at this. we got tropical storm warnings now up all the way into Virginia. Wow. Look at this thing. Tornado watches, a storm surge of up to 11 feet, and rain, yeah, but uh, my biggest concern is damaging winds. Let's time that out. We're seeing it now here in New Orleans. We'll see it in Gulfport and Biloxi later on tonight, cutting across Alabama, then North Georgia tomorrow morning, and then into the Northeast, we'll mix with some snow as well. New York getting rain and some heavy snow across northern New England, but a punishing blow here once again across the Gulf Coast in Louisiana. Wow. David? All right, Rob Marciano tonight. Rob, take cover. We were thinking about everyone across. Wow. That's my city, y'all. I checked on my door. That was yesterday. Well, I need to call it a day. You see how everything on my auntie and them out there. Um, daughter on the West Bank, so that's uh in in inland. So they probably just get the wind and the rain. Uh, but my my aunt is on the outskirts, so I need to make sure that she's all right and okay. And they stay out there this morning, and it's storming. Out the sun shining over here. That's crazy, huh? Uh, let's see. I don't see nothing else I can share. Cause I need to um get busy. All right. <laughs> 